Welcome to this week's episode of the Poitras Ponderings Podcast. We are confident that you will enjoy another episode that will cause you to pause, to ponder, and then to project. If you haven't done so already, then we invite you to subscribe to this podcast with your favorite podcast app. Also, please pass the word along to those friends that you know will enjoy this type of podcast. This week, before we get into the podcast, where host Jim Poitras interviews Angie Clark and Corey Smith, we have a special introduction message from our co-host, Melinda Poitras. Here is Melinda, and Jim will take over from there. You are about to hear about a little book written by a mighty woman. And the book is beautiful and intricate and complex, but somehow simple enough to understand, raw and honest. And if you read it, you'll be better for it. And the book is like the woman. I know her and I'm better for it. I'm so excited for the chance that you get to hear her voice and to feel her heart. And when you're done listening to this podcast, if you don't have a copy of the book, you're going to want to give yourself the chance to experience that too. Because it changed my life. They changed my life. The book and the woman. This is Jim Poitras with Poitras Ponderings Podcast, where we pause, we ponder, and we project. I am so happy today, first of all, to be speaking to you from the world headquarters of the United Pentecostal Church International. And we have two very special guests with us today. One is an outstanding author and very good friend of mine, Angie Clark, who works so well on our team. And the other one is a great friend to short-term missions, Corey Smith. Corey is the youth president for the state of Washington. She is also one of our Next Steps instructors that travel with us each summer. Corey is such a blessing uh, to global missions and to short-term missions from a distance and up close as well. Angie Clark, how can I describe Sister Angie, the word that came to my mind today was unique. Uh, Angie has so many unique qualities as a missions mobilizer uh, in the 21st century. One of the things that I like about Angie would be the gifts that she gives me each year at Christmas time, usually with other members of our team and staff. For example, you will not be able to see it, but I have with me a whole jar of marbles. Uh, she gave me this along with team members at Christmas one year. I had no idea on God's green earth why I was receiving these marbles. And it took about uh, a month or two to figure out exactly what was up with that. We're going to have to explain that on a different podcast. Then she also gave me, with other team members, a very special yellow button. You can't see this. It looks like a big bumblebee here in this uh, conference room. It has the words, nailed it. Dude, you just nailed it. Hmm. Already before you're starting, Sister Angie, you've already nailed it. 
on this podcast, Sister Corey, several weeks ago, talked to our team about shared language. And this is one of the aspects of our shared language here with short-term missions. When someone does something great, And then this Christmas, I wish you could see this, a blue and kind of white piece of pottery, a bowl, and it has some gold striping in it. It appears that the bowl has been broken and it has been pieced back together again. And you see this gold flowing through the bowl. And that brings us to Angie Clark and the subject of her newest book, that she's going to introduce to us and explain a little bit of why we have this blue and white bowl with the gold striping in it. Over to Sister Angie Clark. Thank you so much, uh, Brother Poitras. It's a pleasure to be here with you and uh, excited to talk about this topic. Uh, so you want me to start first then with... Um, what was the backstory behind this whole idea? Okay. Well, uh, two things happened last summer. Uh, when I was on the Next Steps training part of the program uh, in New Zealand, you came, and one of the things I believe you introduced was the uh, a little bit about Kintsugi in one of your sessions. And I'll be honest with you, to some extent, that blew right over my head. But I thought it was pretty cool, and I would circle back to it later. Well, in that in that same time frame, Corey had introduced the, the Enneagram to me and uh, another person that was there with us. And so we were doing a lot of talking about that. And so over the summer, these two ideas kind of collided. And uh, one thing just kind of led to another. So in October, it was kind of interesting because I, I found out the topic that I would need to speak on at a ladies meeting coming up in January. And so coming at their topic and taking the idea of the Kintsugi repair method, it was something that I had never heard before. So I started doing some research on it and just got deeper and deeper into it. And probably what made me follow through and get this book done is um, as I would find things out or experience things, I would mention it, mention it to one of our team members here. And she made a comment one day. She said, you know what, Angie, if, if you wrote this down, I would read it. And so I was like, okay, well, then that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm just going to write it down and you can read it. And uh, so that's kind of the backstory. It was just some things that came together, some research in the background and how God kind of arranged everything to be in step with one thing and then another and then another. And that kind of confirmed to me that, yeah, you need to go ahead and push through with this. So that's kind of the backstory of how it got started. And Sister Corey, tell me a little bit about your backstory as far as what type of work you do and what is your relationship to Sister Angie and what part did you play in the book and what did you receive from the book as you were, uh, were reading through it? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. I get to be with family, with Angie and you, and I love to talk about the subject. I met Angie probably three years, three plus years ago on a next steps trip in Scotland. And we had a, we'd actually met prior to that through email, 
but uh, we did have an opportunity to meet there. And then we stayed connected um, through next steps in Sri Lanka and then next steps in New Zealand. And it's just been a wonderful journey. And uh, my background is that I have a degree in English and I teach college composition. And so I do like to edit and look over different. I mean, that's what I do for a living. I can't say I always love editing papers, but you know, it, it is part of what I do. And I've, uh, was able to help Angie with the editing for Kintsugi Parable and, uh, also help with the forward. But the, the God part of this book for me is, you know, when you edit papers, you kind of approach it with this mindset of, I'm going to look through this and try to see where the writing can be easier, smoother for the audience. Uh, but as I was reading this book, I just felt God speaking to me, um, the subject of Kintsugi relates a lot to my personality and uh, ways that I can be more broken before God and allow him to piece me back together. So it was just amazing. Like I was trying to read this with a critical eye, but it was really reading me and it was um, kind of a, a fun experience, but also a, a just a God, a, a how, how can I say it? it came into my life at a perfect timing. And so I'm really grateful for that. And that's the beautiful part of getting to edit. It's, you don't have to do all the work, but you get to, <laughs> you get to read everything and change it. And so, um, it's been a really, really fun process. Having worked with Angie for some time now, I recognize that she's not one that will push herself forward and talk about herself a lot. So I assume that some parts of this podcast today will be a bit uncomfortable for her. Uh, so I want Angie to explain to us, what is the name of the book? I don't know if we have that clearly. And where can we find the book? And what is the premise of the book? Okay, thank you so much. Uh, the name of the book is a Kintsugi Parable, Perspectives on Brokenness. And Kintsugi is spelled K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I. And you can find this book on Amazon.com. It's in both Kindle, which is electronic format, which you can read on your phone, iPad, or with the Kindle device. You can even use it on your laptop if you prefer to have it done that way. Or you can order a paperback copy as well. And, um, yeah, that's all there online with Amazon. Now, as far as the premise of the book or the plot or the purpose, a um, couple of things. So actually four things. So not quite a couple, but four things. I think I wanted to try to convey these four points. Number one, if we are going to be used by God, we should expect that we are going to get broken. To be taken by surprise of the idea of brokenness in the life of a Christian um, as we, yeah, that's just, there's more to it than that. And so that's the first, the first premise. The second thing that really struck me is that we all get broken in different ways. And when we talk to each other about our brokenness, we find that we do have some shared experience, but a lot of us, um, the way that we're broken, uh, we can have some things in common, but there's a, just a multitude of ways that we can be broken. And, um, not to expect it to be like everybody else, I think is an important reminder. And then when it comes to the types of repair that we need or we can have in our life, uh, the way that this particular type of pottery repair 
correlates with the work of the Holy Spirit. I just thought it was fascinating. So I just had to share that. It was like frosting for me. Uh, and I, the last thing here is, you know, there's so many people that I've been interacting with over the past few years. And some of them are just really hung up on not wanting to be broken in service. So they, they hold back and try to keep it together or they don't commit to something they think might be a little risky and they miss out because of that. The, the second thing is they're ashamed of how they've been repaired. And so they try to hide it and that's not necessary. Okay. And the, the other thing is sometimes they're a little bit um, afraid to admit their need, their need for repair. They're, um, reluctant to do that, maybe because they've had a past experience where they couldn't trust someone or there was some kind of thing that went wrong. And so now they've just pulled back, but they don't want to admit how much they do are in need of repair. And they kind of put this fake vulnerability sometimes out there, even uh, they'll even go to that level with some of this, they want to appear vulnerable, but not for real. And so just kind of trying to address some of this. And I just wanted to let people see the other side to brokenness, basically that it really isn't the end of the world. And um, that's kind of what I hope this book, some of the things that came out through this book uh, will be some of these, these points here. I think one of the interesting things, Angie, about your book is, uh, as Corey knows, both of you, we do quite a bit of study on the Enneagram. And I am in Enneagram 3, which as you're talking, I'm reminded that its image is very important to me. How I look to the public is very important to me. So if I were a bull, which I'm not, then I would want a perfect bull. This, these gold markings and the little chip right there, it wouldn't be something that I would really want as part of my life. Uh, but I recognize that be, you know, below and beneath that exterior of the Enneagram 3 and wanting things to be perfect and wanting to look good and wanting the things that we do as a team to be really good, that deep down inside there is a lot of brokenness. And I think that brokenness is something that isn't uncommon with even the church. We might want to think that it, everything can just be covered up by prayer and fasting and saying the right things and quoting the right scriptures. But the reality is that many of us are broken in different ways. I've seen it before with the Next Steps program and week number one of that program is specifically designed for this type of thing. I remember one year in a particular place that I said to other leaders that were with us that really we need to have a professional counselor that joins with us on, on these trips, on these programs, because brokenness is a big deal. And the statistics show that uh, as we move through life and we get to a certain age, maybe it's 18 or whatever, like one in four people are abused. And there's all of these stats, which indicate to me that the people that I'm looking at in the congregations that I speak at, and also where I teach, that I could very well be dealing with broken people. So Sister Corey, kind of take us into uh, the next element of our discussion today, what would be a question that you would like to ask Angie about her book? Absolutely. I think I would 
when I think of um, maybe Angie's personality and how she came about writing this, I would wonder um, how like brokenness played a role in her personal life and, and how she sees it now in hindsight. Cause I think that's the biggest, biggest challenge for me is when brokenness happens in your life, because you don't plan brokenness. It tends to happen usually by accident or by situation or circumstance that you can't control. And how we respond to that brokenness is really what shapes us as a Christian, as a human being, as we walk. And so I kind of like to see it from a perspective of looking in the past, like what were some things I wish I would have done differently when I was broken? Or what are some things that I did well that allowed me to just kind of surrender to God's process for me? So what do I, looking back, the kind of the idea is, what do I wish I might have done differently? Or what did I do right that allowed me to keep going, right? Um, so I think as far as what did I do right, I'll start there. Um, I think I listened to the voices in my life that did encourage me. And whether that voice was something that I heard in prayer, so God's voice, whether it was something I read in scripture, or whether it was someone maybe who I was connected with who was older than me, uh, that was kind of looking out for me, whether it was parents or, you know, some type of leader in my life, I would take what they said and trust them and believe it and just do what they said. <laughs> I had to trust outside of myself. When I, when I tried to take control and be the sole arbiter of who I trusted and how I trusted and how deep I trusted and all of this, I could get totally confused and would get to the point where I just wanted to quit or give up. But when I was able to put my trust um, in the right voice, for me, that's what led me. And I could see connections um, in circumstances that would kind of help confirm along the way. For me, in my situation and my personality type, I, I, I go with my gut. And I guess I trust a bit with my heart. And I, there have been times where, you know, I was on shaky ground maybe with that. Really being able to listen to that right voice and have for me to have that confirmation is kind of what allowed me to do that. Now, for everyone's personality, that's not their type. You know, that's not how they're going to navigate something like this. But for me, that's what really worked. And God would always send the right word, the right person, the, the right thing at the right time to just kind of leave another breadcrumb for me to keep going. I guess you could say it that way. And so in my life, that that's kind of how it works for me. And um, for things that I wish I would have done differently, I think that in general, was when I would say, okay, you know what? Time is up. I can't trust this. Uh, I can't, I can't do this and give it back to give the control back to myself. It seems like that's when I would experience the, more, the most difficulty. I would have, you know, trouble sleeping, trouble uh, connecting. I would just want to go hide in my room until I could get myself together. And I actually address some of this in the book. I, I don't go into great detail, but I do mention kind of, that coping mechanism that I might've had. Uh, I wish I would have learned how when I was younger to kick it in a little bit earlier than having to find out things the hard way. And I think that's partly why I'm writing this book too, is for those of you that are behind me, I don't want you to have to find out things the hard way. 
So if I can give you some little tips and tricks and hacks and things that will help you stay awake and aware during the situations in your life, then, then I will have done what I set out to do, which is make it a little bit easier for you when it comes your turn to experience brokenness and to deal with the fallout from that. And I'd love to, to add to that, that um, Angie's mentioning that she had these voices in her life, but that's what Angie's voice has been for me. It's been that voice that's saying, hey, it's okay if you're broken. This is where you become the most beautiful. And uh, I feel like when people read this book, they get to hear Angie's voice you know, keeping us along. It's so funny. I have um, like a strong inner critic. We talk about this and personality theory and my inner critic is just so mean. Those cracks are, they'll, they'll, yeah, I call her Cruella because she's just like, so mean. She's like, you're broken. This is just a mess. You can't do anything with your future, you know? And, um, if we don't have those voices in our life that speak grace to us, that speak God's grace to us, uh, we can find ourselves really hiding, hiding, um, that vulnerability of brokenness. So I'm so thankful for that voice, Angie. I'm grateful for the people who spoke into your life. And I'm so grateful for you speaking into my life. I know that we're moving off script and off of some of the questions that we've had uh, planned to speak about today. And I think Angie's used to kind of flowing with me on this type of thing. And Lord help her because she has flowed a lot over the last few years. And I appreciate her so much. But you've mentioned several times the word vulnerability. And it's kind of a word that's been going over in my mind for some time. When I read Angie's book, I personally get the feeling that she's being vulnerable, but not going too far in the vulnerability. I don't know if that's actually accurate or not. It just seems like to me that there are stages of vulnerability and stages which we should reveal to others and other things that we just keep to ourselves. So do you have anything to say about this wide subject of vulnerability? I know Brene Brown brings it up. Just about every leadership book that you pick up, they're going to be talking about vulnerability. And I just wonder how vulnerable should we be? And what, what does vulnerability look like, sound like to you? Okay. So yeah, this is a big, big topic with so many things that could be said. So I'll just say a few things here. Um, one of the important things about vulnerability is you don't share all those deep things or those things that maybe have a tinge of shame or something like this. You, you don't share those with just anybody. You share those with people who deserve and have earned the right to hear your story. And I, I don't know that you've earned the right until I know you a little bit. So what I've shared in this book, a lot of people have come back to me and said, Angie, you were so vulnerable in this book. These are things that apparently over time I've worked through enough that I don't care who reads it, right? Uh, I, it doesn't matter. I can, it's, it's fine. You can do what you like with this stuff. But some of those things that you said, yeah, I didn't go too far uh, because I, I don't have that connection with individuals in the audience. And so I, I do protect, uh, that's just a normal thing that we do. However, vulnerability, um, in, in the other sense, a lot of times what we think of it as a weakness, when I see vulnerability in someone, uh, I admire it. I think, man, that took a lot of guts 
that's kind of what hits me. And so when I see it in you, I think, wow, that's like 10 points out of 10. But when I'm feeling vulnerable, I just want to, I want to tank that. (laughs) I don't necessarily always want to go there and do that. I think vulnerability too is, is, um, it's not that sign of weakness. It's showing up when you could be somewhere else. Maybe it's going ahead and putting the time in when you could have taken a shortcut. It's building that relationship with someone, uh, when it's a lot of effort and it means putting yourself out there. And so, um, those are just some thoughts that I have kind of off the cuff, but the biggest thing about vulnerability is knowing when to go for it. And depending on who your audience is, you know, um, you don't want to be irresponsible with who you are. You have to take care of yourself, um, in all of that as well. Corey, do you have anything to add to that? Yes, I I love the subject of vulnerability. It's not always been an easy subject to talk about because I never really understood the language behind it. I didn't really know what it meant to be vulnerable. But I do remember sometimes hearing preachers and teachers be vulnerable. They would share like a personal experience that had happened to them. And I remember being so moved by it. And in fact, I it really takes your your view off of the person. And it, it makes you think, wow, look at this anointed speaker before me. They have no real reason to be here by all statistics. They should be a mess somewhere else, but God gets the glory that, um, he's able to take a broken life and make it so incredibly beautiful. And I almost remember, I don't think it was jealousy, but it was the question, how can I be like that? Like, how can I kind of showcase God's glory? Never in a million years would I have thought it would come from brokenness. I mean, but as I look over the opportunities I've had to minister in my life, I have always had to come from a place of a broken part and a testimony of what God has done for me through that brokenness. I mean, it's, it's amazing how far we will try to run from vulnerability and from brokenness. And yet that's exactly where we need to be to really be molded and shaped for God's purpose. And so I have just uh, been so blown away by this subject and how, um, yeah, how it's needed in the Christian walk. There's no way around getting away from the potter and the clay and so um, that would be what I would have to add to that, that subject of vulnerability and ministering to other people. Very good. When I think of vulnerability, I kind of think of the word relatable. I want to be vulnerable enough to be relatable, that people can relate to me, that I will be approachable, that uh, one of the things I noticed about Angie's book is as she tells her story, you start to see your story in what she's writing. And I think that's so cool. Uh, We are a story-loving type of people and culture. So as I read the book, uh, more than once, by the way, I see my own story and what she, you know, what she says, something that she writes there. I see it there. And uh, Angie, when it comes to, we talked about audience. So when it comes to the target audience of who you feel the book would be directed to, could you speak to that? Like what would be the target audience? So I, I gave this a little bit of thought and I would say my audience is anyone who's curious about brokenness. And they're willing to borrow my looking glass or my lens to see it from a different perspective. 
So that's it. Um, young, old, single, married, male, female. Uh, I, in fact, I'll just throw this in. I heard from someone in her 80s the other day about how this book made her reflective. And she said it moved her back into a step, a step just above living. So she, she felt like she'd been just living. And she felt after reading this, it helped her go a step above that. And it was like a huge compliment to me. And then I've heard from others who uh, have mentioned something I mentioned there about uh, singleness. I actually kind of touched on that a little bit and kind of the idea that if you're single, you're not less. If you're married, you're not more. And kind of getting into some of that. So just teasing the, the, some of the content a little bit. But basically, this is for anybody who is, is curious or interested in this idea of brokenness. Or maybe it's not for yourself, you think, but it's for someone in your life. I think, uh, yeah, that's it. Young, old, my, even my niece has, has purchased one that she can give a friend who's going through a difficult time. So I think anybody who's got a little time on their hands and some curiosity might find something in there that could be of, of, of help to them. You may not be able to pronounce Kintsugi, but you can pick up the book anyway because it's an excellent book. It's a parable. The book probably can be read in a couple of hours. Uh, it can also be used as a Bible study uh, for small groups, can you speak to that, Angie, a little bit about how the book could be used in small group studies? When I gave the talk that I needed to do back in January overseas, uh, one of the speakers mentioned to me as we were talking like afterwards and just kind of swapping ideas and chatting, the, the first thing that they really said was, man, you, you need to put this into like a four-week study you need to figure this out because this is something people could really go through. And so I, I, from their encouragement, that's what I was able to do. So in the back of the book, there is a section for small group study. And I've heard from some people that have done it. They've actually gone through it at this point. And they said it's not as easy as they thought it would be. And they, they had to do it in a safe environment, which is one of the things I advocate with that. And they said it really seemed to help them out and it brought them closer together. So I've heard some good feedback about that. So hopefully it's a help to somebody. Well, thank you very much, Angie and Corey. Whether they realize it or not, they will be frequent visitors on the Poitras Pondering podcast because we've got a lot of topics to talk about over the next few months. And some of those topics will involve the two of these phenomenal ladies doing a great work for the kingdom of God and being a blessing to all of us. The podcast where we pause, ponder, and project. Now, to get the real deal about pausing, pondering, and project, you need to go to Amazon.com right now, if you haven't already gone there, and pick up your copy of The Kintsugi Parable by Angie Clark. God bless. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Poitras Ponderings podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and to share it with your friends. Join us again next week for another fun episode.